Wrap me in a bolt of lightning. Send me on my way still smiling. Maybe that's the way I should go. Straight into the mouth of the unknown. Left my spare key on the table. Never really thought I'd be able to say I'll visit on the weekend. Lost my whole life and a dear friend. I've said it so many times. I could love the Nets, no, never mind. God knows Joe tried. Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick. And we opened up things a little differently today. Yeah, we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a somber tune instead of the normal El Camino. Right now, not much to be pumped up about if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. The Nets have officially lost in the NBA playoffs. They were eliminated by the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday night. But they already know that. In Game 7. 115-111 was the final score in overtime. Uh, first off, Nick, let, let's let's talk about our feelings. Because Wrap me I, in a bullet to light. Enough, enough. Sorry. Let's talk about our feelings. Way too often on this podcast, we go straight into the statistics, straight into the performances on the court. But when that clock hit like one second left and, and the Nets were down four, what was going through your mind? You know, often in the shower, I imagine things. And I have these like, dreams and, and visions and, you know, play out these fun scenarios. And one of them was... What would it feel like for the Nets to win a championship? That's something I replayed in the shower multiple times. And so when I'm sitting on the couch in my basement in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, with 10 friends who all happen to be Celtics fans laughing at me, when that final whistle blew, uh, it was silent. And um, I was just stunned, you know? I, I don't want to say, I wasn't really shaking. I wasn't really, like, rattled. It more so just felt like someone popped the balloon. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Um, you know, I was not very optimistic after we lost Game 6. I thought losing Game 6 the way we did, uh, the Bucks handled us with ease after that really close Game 5 where Kevin Durant had to go balls to the wall and put the team on his back. Obviously in Game 6, he just couldn't do it again, and, and the Nets lost by a good amount. So going into Game 7, I definitely was a little bit worried. I was nervous. I was not as confident as I was in this team, say, at the start of the series. Obviously, no Kyrie Irving. Uh, James Harden is coming into this this game. This is his third game in a row where he has a hamstring injury. I mean, he has a bum hamstring. He's playing on one hamstring. We would later learn it was a grade two sprain. So going into this game, I wasn't very optimistic. Uh, you know, tip-off happens, and it was a back-and-forth game for most of it. I mean, I mean Kevin Durant was again the best player in the world on Saturday night. Every time the Nets needed a bucket, every time they needed an answer, KD was there. Um, What did he end up with in the box score, Nick? Kevin Durant finished with 48 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists, which was by far the best stat line of any net. James Harden, though, almost a triple-double, 22 points, 9 and 9. But but he shot the ball 5 of 17 from the field. Right. And he just, I think it's because he's playing on a bum leg, but he had these turnovers, man, and they fucking killed the Nets. There was a moment, the Nets were up 4 or 5, it was towards the end of the game, Harden threw a full-court pass to Kevin Durant, and it was intercepted. By Middleton. I, I just looked at the screen, I was like, what the fuck? Now, Harden did... 
get the Nets uh, back in a little bit with that bank shot three. Yeah, he, which meant, was he didn't mention insane. That. That was well, we got Giannis back because Giannis banked a three in earlier. Yeah, that From was straight up. That was. I'm glad both teams banked in the three because nobody should ever bank in threes. Um, but Harden was limited again. It was, it was KD. He had to do everything. He had enough in regulation. He hit the game tying shot. Um, it, it was a two pointer. Nick, if if he got his as he said, big ass feet behind the line. It would have been game, and he was a few inches away from ending the Bucs season. That's not how it happened. KD tied the game, goes into overtime. Bruce Brown, surprisingly, gets the first bucket in overtime, uh, and the Nets were up two f- by two for a while. And then The only bucket. The only overtime. bucket, and then Giannis scored. Middleton hit some free throws, and before you knew it, the game was over. Uh, Kevin Durant did have a chance, an opportunity at the end of overtime, uh, but he missed a three. He airballed a three, and that was all she wrote. I think it was a two, I believe. I think it was literally the same exact spot he was. This no, time that was a hole. three. He had his feet behind the line. Yeah, 100%. I'd, put, I'd put money on that. I don't think so. Okay, well, regardless, he missed the shot. Um, well, his that was a tough shot. You don't expect him to make it twice, especially with a Drew Holiday on him, one of the best defenders in the league, as opposed to Middleton, who's a solid defender, but he's no Drew Holiday. But, I mean, that wasn't the shot. That was the most painful. It was the Joe Harris three yes, yes. with 59 seconds left in the overtime. It was a tie game, uh, 111-111, I believe. And Joe Harris had, some would argue, a better look than he had in, what was it, game four when he had a wide-open elbow game J to three. go three. Game, game three, three was that wide-open shot. He yeah. had a wide-open three from the left wing, took his time, uh, and just he missed the shot. Uh, there's really nothing to it. Uh, we'll get into our Joe Harris take later, but I mean... To, to bank off of what you were saying, not to say the word bank because of the sh- James Harden shot, what worried me the most about Game 7 wasn't even the injuries. It was the confidence that was stirring in Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday. Now, if you guys have paid attention over the past few years, the Bucks are known to choke in the playoffs. As you've seen, Giannis's free throws down the line always cost him the game. Obviously, the acquisition of Drew Holiday was meant to alleviate that, getting rid of Bledsoe with someone who can help them close. With that said... The first couple games, first we won, then it was super close. We could have eked it out because they did choke at the end, but so did we. So when you play that, those type of games, they eke out those wins. They gain confidence. Giannis got more confident with his elbow jumpers, even with his threes. Chris Middleton became clutch. Ice in his veins when he couldn't buy a bucket in the first couple games when we were beating them. And Drew Holiday as well. Rattled in the beginning of the series. They realize, they feel it, they could win this. It's in their reach. It's possible. They should have thought that from the start. And going into Game 7... They had the confidence it took to win the game. It wasn't, you know, a couple minutes left, we're like, oh, the Bucks will probably choke this. They hit their shots, and they actually became fearless. And in overtime, they hit their shots. And like you said, Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday, none of them all of a sudden collapsed. They all did exactly what they needed to do. So, you know, I looked at this series, and, and I wanted to be realistic. Kevin Durant was the best player in this series by far. But you know who the next best three players in this series were on both teams? Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, in that order. And you can make a case that number four might be Brooke Lopez, because he showed up in Game 7. 19 points for Lopez, 7 of 11 from the field. He hit three three three-pointers. He had eight rebounds. I mean, Lopez, you know, after the game, he slapped the Brooklyn logo. He was phenomenal for the Bucs. And, you know, the story of this game for the Bucs, yes, Giannis, with 40 points and 13 rebounds. Middleton had 23 and 10, and Holiday with 13, but he had some clutch shots at the end. All three of those guys showed up. 
But let's look at the role players. I, I just talked about Brooke Lopez. P.J. Tucker, 11 points, three three-pointers, four of nine from the field. Two great shooting games for him in a row, game six and seven. Yeah, from three. yeah. and then Pat Connaughton comes off the bench, and he hits three three-pointers for nine points. The Bucks supporting cast, as well as their, their, their top three guys, all showed up. And you look at the Nets. Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin, 17 points for Griffin, 14 for Brown, respectively. Harden with 22, but that was an inefficient 22. And then you look at Joe Harris, Nick. 10 points, 3 of 9 from 3, which is still 30%. That's still worse than his, his you know, regular season average. At his 40. regular season was 47.5%. It was the best in the league. And he shot 32% or 33% in the playoffs. And he was also 3 of 10 from the field. He bricked a wide-open layup. And it's just... If you're getting 11 from P.J. Tucker and 9 from Connaughton and 19 from Lopez, you can't have Joe Harris score 10 on 3 of 9 from, from 3-point range. Not you just one, can't. Not one of our bench players scored. We had zero points from the bench. Okay, That's 13 minutes from Jeff Green where he couldn't hit a shot. That's 7 minutes from Shamit where he couldn't hit a shot. Uh, that was pretty much it. Everybody else was a healthy scratch. But not one person came off the bench and scored, Ben. How can you win a game? your starters had to do the job, and they almost did. But my, my point is this. I think every starter for the Nets showed up not named Joe Harris. I really believe that. Rough series for Joe. You know, I think that in the same way heroes are born in the playoffs, literally Tyler Hero last year came on the scene for Miami, had a phenomenal postseason run. Um, in this postseason, you see Reggie Jackson playing well for the Clippers. You see Jay Crowder playing excellent for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, it was Seth Curry before the Sixers were Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter for the Hawks. My point is the playoffs are, are when role players like Joe Harris step up. And it pains me to say he did the exact opposite of that in this series. He stepped down. He was not confident with his shot. And you can tell that there were moments during those last two games Kevin Durant got pretty upset with Joe Harris's performance. His body He might not have said anything to him, but his body language... Um, it, it tells you everything. Because all Durant wants is a little bit of help. Durant's right. not asking anybody to take his job from him. He's not asking anybody to hit the shots he hits. He's saying, I will carry us to, to 50 points if I need to. Just hit an open shot to help me out a little bit. And here's what I'll say about Joe Harris. My roommate Eric Sickerball, great friend of mine, is also a diehard Nets fan. And after the game, I said, honestly, man, I hate to say this because he's one of my favorite players in the league, especially as a Nets fan. But fucking A, Joe Harris. Like, I'm pissed off at Joe Harris. And he said, oh, come on, after that incredible regular season? And I said, that's great. Like I said, he was first in the league in the regular season in three-point percentage at 47.5%. That's amazing. We don't watch basketball. We aren't Nets fans to root for the regular season. This is what matters the most. And it wasn't a game. It wasn't two games. It was an entire seven-game series where he was nowhere to be found. Okay? I could forgive a game. I could forgive a couple. I could forgive a cold performance from anybody, but it wasn't just a game or two, Spen. It was the entire series, and it was two shots where two games could have been reversed. Two games that would have sent us on to the next round against a much better matchup for us than the Sixers or Hawks. And Bede's a nightmare down low, but I think just the Bucks all around are better scorers than the Sixers. So, yes, am I going to forgive Joe Harris? Do I love Joe Harris? Am I going to be rooting for him next season? Right, yes, but right now, I look at him a little bit differently. I think that um, Joe Harris is not going anywhere at this moment. I don't think Marks is looking to deal him. I think he'll be back here next season. He's on, He's under pretty large contract um, for what his skill set is. But I will say this. Everybody gets one. 
He had a crappy playoffs. He's going to be on this team next year. He can't do this again. If he has the opportunity, and me personally, I think he should come off the bench. I don't think he should start. I think he should be uh, more in that Landry Shamit role that Shamit's in, and, and maybe you bump Bruce Brown into the starting lineup permanently when Harden and Kyrie are back, or, or you make a move for someone in the offseason. We'll I get, disagree. We'll get into that later. I don't think Harris should start. But that's just me. But my point is this. He had a bad postseason. He's going to be on this team next year. He wasn't the reason that they lost. They lost because of injuries to Kyrie Irving, to James Harden, to Jeff Green. All three of those guys were, were out at, at certain points in the series. And yes, Joe Harris making some wide-open shots would have helped, but it's not the end-all, be-all. We, we can't blame the loss in seven games of in this series all on Joe Harris. I'm back. not. He, Joe Harris, you're right. Joe Harris didn't lose us. The, we didn't lose. Joe Harris didn't lose us those games, but he could have won them. We will not blame him for losing the series. He didn't lose them individually, but he had an opportunity to win them, and he didn't do it once nor twice. He had two opportunities, and all I'm saying is, you have a job. This is a job on a team where you are the guy who knocks down shots. You are the highest percentage shooter on the team uh, from three. Probably I don't know about from two. Durant's probably much more efficient, uh, but again. Yes, we're not going to sit here and shit on Joe Harris and say you cost us a series, but I don't know, man. He gets paid a good amount to hit shots, and what I will say is we had a shot this year, okay? The Lakers were hurt. They were out. This was anybody's game. I mean, look at who's still in it. Trey Young's led the team to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Suns are all of a sudden the favorite to win it. They were, what are they, the worst record in the league a year or two ago? So, yes, no. the Nets literally could yes, they did. The Nets literally could have won it, and that's what hurts the most. It's not like, oh, man, well, yeah, we can always say we'll get them next year when we're healthier. With this team, with the players coming back, if we could have just made it through this series, we would have been extreme heavy favorites to win the championship. And, yes, we'll forgive. There's always next year. We'll always improve. But this year is now over. There is no shot they will win it in 2021, and that is not something you can easily just get past and say better luck next year. You want to know the worst part about losing this series in, in seven games? We were up. The Brooklyn Nets were up 49 points in Game 2. 49 points. And they came back, and they and they won the series after being down 49. Credit to the Bucks. I mean, they toughed out a series in which they didn't have home court advantage. They're going up against a Kevin Durant who is trying to prove every single doubter and hater wrong. And they, they withstood everything. They withstood bad nights from Middleton and Holiday. They withstood Giannis basically losing it at the free throw line in that game five. They withstood a lot of stupid coaching moves by Mike Budenholzer, and they won this series outright. So kudos to the Bucs. Um, you know, I want to take a step back right now, Nick. We've been we've been shitting on Joe Harris a little bit. We've been, you know, giving the Nets some flack for losing this series. But could we just acknowledge Kevin Durant and how special he was and, and the fact that this man – had one of the worst, most brutal injuries you can have in the sport of basketball, tearing his Achilles tendon, and he is 100% back, and he just gave every single player on the Bucks buckets the entire series. Who is it, Jared Greenberg, who asked him on court, he said, did you think you'd be this good after your Achilles injury? And Kevin Durant responded, is that a real question? And so since then, Jared Greenberg tries to make sure he asks real questions. Yeah, Kevin Durant was phenomenal, dude, and, and no one's doubting that. Everybody in the league knows how good Kevin Durant is. Are were we surprised at this performance? Not really. He's an unbelievable shooter. He just happened I, to. I it. expected him to finish the deal. I expected him to close exactly. out the Bucks. He did run out of gas. I, I again, I'm not going to. You ran out of Kevin gas Durant. on one shot. I know on the most important shot of the game. 
still, you would never. There's nothing we could ever fault Kevin Durant I can't for. He criticize the man. He did everything he could. At the end of the day, yeah, it doesn't really matter. And, Everyone's kind of laughing at us now. And let's get back to James Harden for a second. Yes, he was pretty ineffective in this series, but the fact that he toughed it out and he played on a grade a grade two hamstring injury. Guy, the guy's got cojones. He's got balls, and uh, he, he put his body out there on the line for his teammates. I agree. That's not something people would have assumed Harden would have done in the years past, in the years prior, literally sacrificing his body. But that's what makes his team special. Was there a, was there pressure on them to win, to succeed? Yes, and that definitely has something to do with it. But he did have uh, uh, just the willpower and the perseverance to say, shit, this is our time. I really want to put myself out there. Um, finishing up in this game, the good, the other three players I, I mentioned, Nacho Harris and KD, but Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, um, Brown and Griffin were great. Green didn't score, didn't Bruce play a lot. Bruce was good in the beginning of the series. He, towards the end, he got scared. He was, in the beginning wow. of the series, he was hitting all these little floaters and jumpers. He hit some floaters in game seven. He, he was pretty no. big for us in game seven, I thought. No, I, I thought down the stretch he got scared. I'll say this. All three of those guys are free agents. Bruce Brown is, is on record saying he wants to be back here. He wants to be a Brooklyn Net. I really hope the Nets can keep him. Um, also, Bruce Brown got called for a bullshit technical foul against Giannis, where he fouled him hard and Giannis totally flopped. It was it was a bullshit call, and that just goes to show how soft the NBA is, and I, I felt bad for Bruce. That was in the first quarter of the game. Do you want to see Bruce Brown back in Brooklyn playing big minutes next year? I want to see him back in Brooklyn. I think he'll play moderate minutes. I don't think we'll need him to be big because hopefully we'll be healthy. Um, I mean, we can argue right now about him starting over Joe Harris. I think that's a really dumb idea. Bruce Brown is a literal hype energy guy who comes off the bench and gives you a spark. Harris is not an energy guy. Harris is the Mo Williams of the team where your stars create double teams and attention and give the best three-pointer shooter on the team the best possible look. So I think Bruce Brown will get a lot of minutes. I don't think he should eat into too many of Joe's, pending Joe gets back on track. Uh, I still think Shamit. If he's on the team, should get a decent amount of minutes. I like playoff. Shamit looked pretty good. His minutes really got diminished in the last couple of games, uh, games in this series. But he was more confident than I will say Joe Harris and Bruce Brown at many certain times. All right, and then the other two guys, Blake Griffin and Jeff Green, both will be free agents next year. Um, who do you want to see back, and why? Both. Jeff Green was the most efficient shooter on the team in the regular season at 50% from the field, averaging 11 points a game. His most efficient shooting uh, season of his career, and I'm pretty sure he's 34 years old. So Jeff Green's veteran presence, huge. I mean, he carried us, what was it, game four where he hit? Game five, he had Game five, an unbelievable uh, three-point shooting performance. And I mean, listen, I like Blake Griffin. He showed up more than anybody ever thought he would and could in the playoffs. Am I tied to Blake Griffin as our big? I like him. I've grown fond of him. Do I think we could probably upgrade on a big, someone younger, someone with a little, uh, just obviously a, a bigger, more powerful body that plays more like a pure five as opposed to a four, uh, kind of a stretch for Blake Griffin. So I'm not tied to Griffin, but I would love to see Green return. I'd love to see both of them back. Uh, everything you said about Jeff Green times 100, I agree with. Blake Griffin, him and Bruce Brown were the two tough guys on this team who were physical. They were hustle guys. Um, but we need a big man. If we're not going to play Nick Claxton down the stretch in these games, and we don't trust him because he's too young or he's too raw or whatever you want to call it, you have to go out if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you have to get a competent seven-foot center. You have to get a Zubats uh, on, on the Clippers, a Steven Adams, um, you know, I, I'm not crazy about Montrezl Harrell, but but just I want like a fundamentally sound five 
who can bang down low with a Brook Lopez, who can outlast, a, or at least meet a Giannis at the rim. LaMarcus you, you know, you know. Look, we had LMA for a little bit. He retired. That was unfortunate. But I, I do think this team is missing. You know, if you want to get into what we want them to do in the offseason, I think they're missing two key things. I think they're missing a big man, and I think they're missing like a three and D guy, like a Mo Harkless type guy. Uh, maybe not him, a Reggie Bullock. But I want to see someone. I think both those guys were Knicks in the last two years. Norman Powell. But he's too good. The Nets aren't going to afford Norman Powell. You, I want to see a Danny Green PJ in a Brooklyn. Tucker. You know what? I have heard if the Bucks were to lose, Kevin Durant could absolutely recruit his fellow Texas Longhorn alumni, PJ Tucker, to the Brooklyn Nets. He is someone we can use. That is, that's the kind of toughness that we were kind of lacking with Joe Harris. I, I really believe that. So a big man and, and a 3 and D athletic player, that's sort of what I'm looking for Sean Marks to do this offseason. I love that. I, 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 as much as P.J. Tucker is a guy you ha- kind of hate when he's on the other team because he's the guy who's just literally hustling for every loose ball. He's screaming at the refs. He's screaming at your team. He's getting in Durant's face. You know, what was cool about that exchange is you kind of thought P.J. Tucker and Durant hated each other. Everyone found out they were buddies. At one point, P.J. Tucker's talking to Wanda, Durant's mom. I actually would like P.J. Tucker on this Nets team. I think that would be a cool piece of the puzzle. Do I think he'd get the even remotely close to the minutes that he got on the Bucks this series? Not at all. But he's someone that's reliable off the bench, almost like a Jeff Green type that's just a veteran, knows their role, never tries to go beyond their capabilities, He doesn't shoot it. Unfortunately, of course, in game six and seven, we gave him a wide open three that he was actually hitting. He does have that from the baseline. Um, I would, this isn't possible, but what I envision as a type of big man is kind of like a worse Clint Capella type. Yes. Because you got Harden and Durant, who are literally, and Harden's the king of the alley-oop. You saw how good he made Capella on the Rockets, and now you see how good Capella's uh, becoming in the playoffs with Trey Young at point guard. Someone like that, who is a long body down low, Tough guy, big rebounder, can finish. Honestly, what we're basically looking for is Claxton two to three years progressed. Yes, yes. Um, I, can he get to that point is a big question. I don't know. So I want to talk about some of the bad on the Brooklyn Nets. We talked about Joe Harris and James Harden. Uh, Mike James, really disappointing down the stretch. Didn't play a lot. You know, Steve Nash didn't trust him after those uh, performances in in games three and four where Mike James was essentially terrible. Um, Do you think that he comes back or do you think the Nets try to go elsewhere, back up point guard for Kyrie and Harden? I don't think we need Mike James. I think we could do better than Mike James. Props to Mike James for coming in uh, from from Europe and doing a, a solid job for a few games. He plays confidently. He's got some swag to him. He goes out there and he, he gives it his best. He had some great passes at one point. If he could be groomed into a pass-first point guard, he, he has a solid future being a role player in the NBA. If he tries to be a Brandon Jennings and is hucking up fadeaway threes with Brooke Lopez in his face and just taking ridiculous like elbow hook shots... I'm sorry, man, but you can't really play in this league. So for the Nets' sake, I think we could do better. I hope he finds a team to play on. And like I said, he just needs to change up his game a little bit, know his role. Uh, We don't need you to be a hero. You know, he can almost be a Rondo at this point. If you have an open three, take it. But your job is to come out. You're a quick dude. Create shots for other people. um, Create opportunities. I don't really need him, though, on the Nets, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I would like them to go elsewhere. Not a Mike James guy. Thought he showed flashes. 
But if you can do better, then do better. If you can't, just make sure Harden and Kyrie don't get hurt again. That's my advice to Sean Marks. And then finally, two guys who played a lot during the season but then saw their playing time kind of fizzle out in the playoffs, Tyler Johnson and DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan was our starting center at one point, and he didn't see the, the court in basically any of the playoff games against the Celtics or the Bucks. What do we do with him? Do we move elsewhere? I mean, obviously, you want to move elsewhere for center, but what do we do about DeAndre Jordan? And and what did you think about Tyler Johnson not really playing down the stretch in that series against the Bucks? I mean, listen, we picked up a bunch of guys, but I'll speak to the Tyler Johnson point first. We picked up a bunch of cheap guys to try to round out an unhealthy team. So am I bummed that guys like Mike James, Reggie Perry, Nick Claxton, and Tyler Johnson's minutes were pretty much zero towards the last couple games of the series? Don't forget TLC and Choyoza. TLC and Choyoza, you don't really expect them to play. Johnson, too. Listen to the guys you just named, right? It's like trying to form a baseball team at the Sandlot. Uh, I don't think that I had any high expectations for any of those guys. Claxton is still someone... Uh, the only player on the team we actually drafted, someone we need to, again, just progress and, and turn into a more Capella type if he has that capability. But no, I wasn't bummed to see anybody's minutes really get cut down. Uh, it is funny, though, how much TLC was an impact in the bubble last year and literally became such an afterthought that we almost forgot about him at this point. But he was a good hype man off the bench. On the DeAndre Jordan front, I could see DeAndre Jordan staying on this roster at a ven- veteran's minimum and being like the Udonis Haslam, where he's a veteran, uh, he's a hype dude, he has everyone's back. He doesn't seem, I mean, listen, I can't speak to him personally. He doesn't seem too bummed a lot of the time to get DNPs. I think he's kind of a happy-to-be-there type guy. I don't know how he's feeling internally, but I don't mind holding on to DeAndre Jordan. I never was. Did DeAndre Jordan disappoint us a lot of the times in the beginning of the season? Yes, but was he a huge liability to me on the court? Eh, a lot of points he was. Uh, with Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, I don't mind him being a, a three, a, a third backup like a Javale McGee if we're up twenty. I would much rather Javale McGee, but okay, fine. Moving forward. We got some news right after the Nets lost uh, in in the following days. Kevin Durant and James Harden both declared to play for Team USA this summer. What do you think of this move by the two superstar teammates? Uh, You mean you got to win something. Yeah, listen, they're playing for their country. I respect the hell out of it. Sean Mark said he's he's fully on board as, as long as, you know, they come in and they're ready to play for the regular season next year. Uh, I like it. I think that if you're Kevin Durant and James Harden, go recruit somebody on Team USA to come to Brooklyn. That's a good a idea. Draym- listen, a Draymond Green, perhaps? These guys like playing basketball. They want to play year-round. Their season got cut short. I'm not surprised. You think Draymond Green would ever leave Steph? Possibly. He can go play with KD again. They were boys. Remember how lo- much they loved each other? Yeah, absolutely. Draymond loves him as much as he loves kicking uh, uh, players in the balls accidentally, like he did to Steven Adams. And LeBron James. Um, all right, and those two will be playing in the Olympics. Kyrie Irving, however, will not be. He will be rehabbing his ankle Um you know, give me your thoughts on on Kyrie Irving's injury, his season this year with the Brooklyn Nets, and and what you look forward to most next season with Kyrie. Listen, Kyrie Irving uh, is probably the most talked about, controversial, arguably most hated player on the Nets, if not in the league. I mean, uh, m- most of my friends are Celtics fans who absolutely despise Kyrie Irving. I mean, Stephen A. Smith went on first take and laughed 
at the karma the Nets received for Harden being a dick with the Rockets, for Kai B being so wishy-washy. Uh, first thing I do want to say to Kyrie is congrats to his first child, was born five days ago during this series with his partner Marlene Wilkerson. So happy Father's Day to Kyrie on becoming a, a first-time father. I was up and down with Kyrie this year. I was never out on Kyrie. I was disappointed in some of his antics. Listen, at the end of the day, is basketball uh, a job and a business? Should it be the most important thing in his life? No. And he would get frustrated when people would expect him to, for lack of a better phrase, shut up and dribble. He wanted to sh- you know, be a part of, of, of society. He wanted to uh, talk to issues in the world. He wanted to speak on behalf of minorities. And I respect all that. I think he has not. He has the right to, of course, who am I, anybody to say otherwise. With that said, our goal is to win a championship. Our goal is to have the determination, the willpower, and the focus to be a contender and to make it seem like it's really what you want in this world. Yes, you have his, his, his kid is more important. His partner and his family are more important. But sometimes it did feel like he was brushing basketball aside just to make a point that it's not everything. But almost to the point where it seemed like he didn't really care if he missed a couple games. It didn't care if, you know, we lost. It didn't care if, like, he was needed and he kind of let his team down. There were a couple moments where I felt he kind of left us out to dry uh, in some regular season games and, and just wasn't there for his teammates. So who's to say that doesn't affect chemistry? Who's to say that doesn't affect the younger guys and the role players' uh, a mentality and motivation to win? And then come playoff time... I'm going to say it's karma. No, that's crazy. Stephen A. Smith honestly does a dick thing to say on first take. I just want a Kyrie. Kyrie's an incredible basketball player. I just want him to want it as bad as Durant did in this series. I want him to go out there. I I think this series is a little different. I think Kyrie was playing pretty well until he got hurt. Yeah, he was. I'm not going to know. He was playing really well. Of course, I don't think he could have played through it like Harden did. Entirely different injury. I just want to make, like, look look how hungry the Phoenix Suns are to win a championship. Look how freaking emotional. He just, I, I don't know if I see that on his face that like the literal, like people crying after they lose. He's just not that guy. And I get it. And I, and I, and I don't fault him for that, but I just want to make sure that him, Harden, Durant, Joe Harris, all these guys are on the same page and see eye to eye. I disagree with that entire sentiment. I, I think that when Kyrie is on the court, he puts on for Brooklyn. I think he, you know, he, he, is, he is part of the heart and soul of this team. So for you to sit here and, and question this and that, it's all subjective. You don't know shit. You're, you're, you're basically... Yeah, neither of us know that we but, do a podcast but, but where we try to make a, a, I, under, I understand that, but like for you to sit here and say he didn't want it, that like these, these are opinions that you're, you're getting these reports and these things from the media and you're using it like, watch Kyrie Irving play basketball. When he was healthy, we lost one game, Nick. Or, or I'm sorry, two games in the playoffs. Game three, both game threes. He goes out game four. What happened? We lose four, six, and seven. So you're going to tell me when he's on the court, he looks like he's giving it his all every single time, laying everything out there emotionally, and wants it just as bad as some of the other guys? I'm saying I am very pleased with the season Kyrie Irving had on the court. He was an MVP candidate at certain points. There was that moment... Um, I forgot the game, but he he was a monster in the fourth quarter, and he had Stephen A. Smith saying that his name belonged in the MVP uh, conversation. What I care about is what he does for my team, and he he got hurt. It's not like he he half-assed it in the playoffs. He got fucking hurt. So 
you know, I have, I hope he he's rehabbing, he's paying attention, and and he's focused on getting healthy for next season. I think he is. I think he'll be just as good, if not better, next year. You'll have a motivated Harden coming off a hamstring injury. You'll have a motivated Kyrie coming off an ankle injury, and and I don't think you have you need me to talk about Kevin Durant. Um, just looking forward to next season. And the and the final thing, uh, actually, yeah, the final thing I'll say before before looking forward to next season is um, Spencer Dinwiddie. Opted out, will not be a Brooklyn Net next year. Probably he opted out of his, his contract, so he will test the market. There's a chance that the Nets could possibly bring him back. I doubt it. I think he's going to want big money somewhere else. I could see him playing in Los Angeles, possibly with LeBron or 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 with with Paul George and Kawhi. If the Clippers lose this series against the Suns, I think he's going to go out west. I think there's a market for for what Dinwiddie brings to the table, um, and and I, I think he'll get a job and I think he'll get paid, but. Just class act while he was with the Brooklyn Nets. Great player. Thrived when he played played uh, with D'Angelo Russell. Thrived last year when all our guys were hurt and, and didn't play. Obviously, KD sat and, and Kyrie was, was in and out last season. Um, really happy what Spencer Dinwiddie gave to this team. Going to miss him. Wish him the best. But unfortunately, you know, he, he, he got bad luck in the beginning of the season with the horrible ACL injury. And he wasn't able to come back. And, and you know, I just also, I don't think he fits with this team. I don't think his play really fits with what Kyrie, Harden do. They're all pretty ball dominant, but Kyrie can play off the ball a little bit more. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what I have to say about Spencer Dinwiddie. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, listen, I hate to see him go because we've we've witnessed some incredible Dinwiddie games over the last couple of years. He's a likable dude. I mean, he's just a tech guy with a jumper, and he, he's been the same. He's been consistent. He's been himself. He's a likable guy if he's on your team. Um, but do I understand that opportunity calls elsewhere? He could be a much bigger factor on right. another team. He can get more money and start to make a bigger name for himself in this league. First team that comes to mind to me is the Pelicans. Uh, he could be a better Eric Bledsoe playing with a young Zion and Ingram. He could be the veteran leader that team needs and kind of hold down the fort. And now you got three solid scorers on that team. I just think Bledsoe's trash at this point. I like the Clippers idea as an upgrade to Reggie Jackson because, you know, I freaking hate Reggie Jackson. Um, but it's sad. I mean, it'll be sad the same way that we, we saw Jarrett Allen leave. We understand it's necessary, uh, but we, we do feel emotional because we love those guys. Celtics could be a destination for Spencer Dinwiddie. They, they're moving on from Kemba Walker. They don't have a point guard right now. Um, and then the Sixers. The Sixers may move on from Ben Simmons. Maybe they make a move for Dinwiddie. A lot of point guards will be on the move this offseason. Um, potentially Damian Lillard, you know, if the, if the Blazers decide to trade him. Uh, but I, th- I think he's there for the long haul because I think he's going to be involved in picking their next head coach. So we talked about Dinwiddie. So let's get into what you and I are thinking for next season. I don't want to hear about offseason moves. We, are, we already talked about that, but just what is the mindset of this Nets juggernaut? You didn't get to where you wanted to be this year. You, you fell short. Coming into next year, I was talking about a motivated Harden and Kyrie and KD. What are you as a fan, Nick, someone who talks about the Nets weekly, hoping to see from this team come next year. Well, here's the difficult thing being a Nets fan right now, having a super team, having a big three, having one of the most hated teams in the league, if not the most hated. There's crazy high expectations. There was, I mean, this season was was considered a failure. This season was considered, uh, if we well, didn't Sean win the Marks wouldn't call it that. He said it was a disappointment, not a failure. Look at look around at every single person. We, you know, there were points where the Nets would win this in the playoffs, and I would consider it more of a relief than a huge victory because you almost expect it. So 
I'm going to have extremely high expectations for next season for us to go not only further than we did this year, because that goes without saying, but to play in the championship, if not win it. Now, a team like this comes once in a lifetime. People have argued it could be the best offensive team of all time with the guy with, with Harden, Kyrie, and KD. So my expectations are going to be high. I want people to stay healthy during the regular season, so we're not going to go crazy on minutes. We're going to make sure uh, our guys get the, the rest they need by giving them the support from the role players they need. We're going to get a big guy down low, so we're not expecting Durant to now freaking uh, rebound, drive, do literally everything as a big man or Duke to need to help Blake out, guard Giannis, everything crazy like that. So... We have to fill the gaps, and we have to just overall uh, stay healthy, which is hard to it's it's hard to say like, hey guys, remember to stay healthy this year because you don't want them to not go as hard. You don't want them to like underexert themselves. But listen, if you said to me, restrict some of our stars' minutes during the regular season, finish third or fourth in the East, as opposed to busting our ass for the number one seed and stay healthy for the playoffs, that's what I would choose. Granted, kind of feels what like we what did. we did this yeah. year, and it kind of backfired. So. I have crazy high expectations. There is a pressure, I think, built nationwide on the Nets. And uh, quite frankly, if we don't go at least further than we did this year, next season, it's going to be just a a waste of fucking time. The Heat lost to the Mavericks in the championship in their first year uh, with the big three. Um, I think when you form a super team, if you lose that first year, you're able to get away with it as, as long as you win the second year. If the Nets don't win the championship this next year, or they don't even make it, there's going to be a lot of discussion about the big three being a failure. It's a weird, unwritten rule, and tell me I'm crazy, that if you get three of the top ten offensive players in the league together, you have two years to win it before people start talking, bust, the team breaks up, and what have you. So, you know, I'm optimistic about the future. Hopefully next year's our year, but if it's not, there's going to be a lot of work done uh, with this team and and the superstars moving forward. And that's what makes it even harder because when every single other fan in the league wants you to lose, right? Right? Like we're we're watching these games with people laughing, everyone's talking shit. We got Knicks fans texting us. It it becomes an expectation, like it was the Lakers last year when they got AD. They won it, like you brought up the Heat. The Celtics in 08 are another example of putting that team together, having high expectations. And they won in their first year, yeah. Yeah. They won in their first year. So, dude, we were ready to win this year. We'll be ready to win next year. Injuries and, and lack of depth on the roster. And you know what injury we didn't talk about much, but Jeff Green, a yes. guy like Jeff Green's injury, plantar fasciitis, literally could be deemed just as just as brutal to us as a Kyrie, even right. though he's not a Kyrie on the court. He fills such a certain role that we need to hammer out. You looked how we didn't even have a bench to go to in Game Seven. Right. Guys like Jeff Green, guys like PJ Tucker, those are a commodity we need to fill. And the Bucks had that a lot more with Pat Connaughton, with Bryn Forbes. Um, and we weren't able to match that that role player, that bench player off the bench. I would bring a back, bench player off the bench. I would bring back Jeff Green uh, solely based uh, on his heart and the fact that he gave us his everything in that series, playing on plantar fasciitis, and and that game five was miraculous. The fact that he hit all those three pointers. Um, we're gonna give our predictions for the rest of this season in two seconds. We're gonna we're gonna end the pod with those predictions. But before I before I get to that segment, I just want to thank. All our listeners out there, everybody who supports Fireside Nets, 
everybody who follows us on Twitter, who interacts with us, engages with us on social media. If you've watched one of my YouTube videos um, or or tuned into one of me and Nick's live streams after after a game, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, I can't stress that enough for, for riding with us this year and listening to us talk nets weekly and then to thank you guys we're going to give you 20 percent off your next manscaped order on manscaped.com with code fireside f-i-r-e-s-i-d-e all capital letters manscaped.com they got ball trimmers ball shavers ball waxers anything to do with your downstairs they can help you look good make you more confident upstairs manscaped.com did you really just turn my heartfelt thanks to the listeners into a fucking manscaped ad i did and it was all part of the plan spen who you got winning the nba championship this year all right well my predictions for this playoffs are brought to you by manscaped promo code fireside capital f-i-r-e-s-i-d-e and i have the suns the suns are up 1-0 against the clippers right now i think they're going to handle their business even with chris paul sitting out game two still um, because of the COVID stuff going on with him. Uh, I like the Suns. I think they're a deeper team. I think they're a better team. I love the way they were built. I, I just don't think the Clippers have enough without Kawhi Leonard. And then on, in the East, I'm going to pick the Hawks to upset the Bucks. You're crazy. I, I understand I'm crazy. The Hawks were built very similarly to the Phoenix Suns. The, the, they drafted Trey Young. Um, they, they drafted John Collins. They traded for Clint Capella and Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari. They drafted Kevin Herter. They've had great uh, uh, draft moves, and then they've also really had some great uh, moves for, for veterans around the Are league. Are they better with Herter in the lineup instead of DeAndre Hunter, who's out for the I don't the think playoffs? they're better. I think they're a little bit different. I think Hunter's more of a 3 and D guy. I think Herter... Herter can... Eh, eh, Herter's more of a 3 and D guy. I think Hunter can create off the dribble a little bit more than Herter, but... No, I, I think they're both very capable players. It sucks that Hunter's not healthy right now. Herter's giving them great minutes. Unbelievable. Um, he's been great. You remember Napoleon Dynamite? You remember uh, his brother? Who, who? Uh, yeah, and he dresses with a uh, do rag on his head. Yeah. Someone posted that picture and said Kevin Herter showing up to the party in Atlanta tonight. I texted my friends that Kevin Herter looks like he works at Sonic. But no, I, I like the Hawks. Uh, obviously, the Bucks just beat us in a best of seven. They were phenomenal. Um, but I just don't think they have enough to compete with the Hawks for I some disagree. reason. I think it's going to be a Hawks-Suns final. I think the Suns will win that series in six. Tell me your prediction. Clearly you disagree with me. Uh, I disagree with you big time. And my disagreement and my prediction is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use code FIRESIDE, FIRESIDE. for 20% off your In all caps, order. FIRESIDE. All caps, FIRESIDE. 20% off. Manscaped.com. Um, I'm actually going to agree entirely that the Suns beat the Clippers. Uh, Paul George... It might even be a more hated playoff player than than Kyrie or Harden because that dude, playoff P, uh, is finally starting to play well, but it's not going to be enough. Look how good the Suns were without CP3. And shut up to, who was it, Stephen A. Smith or Kellerman telling me that the Suns scraped by because Batum missed a three. The Suns are unbelievable. And the best part about the Suns is the is like the camaraderie, the hype. They're having fun out there. They're smiling. They want this more than anybody else. That's the want and the need I want to see in veteran players like Kyrie Irving. Want it as much as Devin Booker, who's never tasted a championship before, is now closer than he's ever been. It's actually doable. So I think the Suns are going to cruise past the Clippers. I think the Bucks are going to handedly beat the Hawks 4-1, maybe 4-2 if Trey Young erupts one game. Um, and honestly... 
as a team that got eliminated by the Bucks, I want to see the Bucks win it all so we could say we got beat by the team that won it all, not, oh, we got beat by a team and literally next round to the fucking Atlanta Hawks. So I'm going to say the Bucks beat the Suns in seven. They're going to win their first championship since, I believe, 1973 with Lou Alcindor. They're going to uh, get Giannis, his first ship, his first finals MVP. The city's going to actually feel like all of this was worth it. Giannis, I can give or take. I'll be happy for Drew Holiday getting his first ring. Uh, I like Chris Middleton. Bucks in seven over the Phoenix Suns. Brought to you by Manscaped. Oh, sometimes the shit you say that comes out of your mouth, I just fucking hate it. I don't want the Bucks to win the whole thing. I don't want to see Giannis and Middleton and Holiday get a ring. Fuck those guys. They beat us. I want to see them lose too. I also want to uh, correct myself. It's 1971 with Abdul-Jabbar. Thank you for correcting yourself. All right, Nick, that just about concludes our podcast. Just because the net season is over doesn't mean we're done. We'll still be recording weekly episodes for you guys. Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Look at that, Nick. We did a whole show, and we didn't even say anything mean about Ben Simmons. Oh, I've been insulting Ben Simmons on the side a lot. Yeah, I know. I've gotten some of your texts. All right, that does it for this week's episode. Catch Catch you on on the fireside. fireside.